Hey everyone, I'm Johnny. I'm Victoria. Welcome to Tasty Pages, a podcast from Cooking the Books. Each week, we'll discuss a featured cookbook. And we'll rank each book in a variety of categories, including food photography and styling, degree of difficulty, and of course, taste. This week's featured cookbook is... Chilean Kitchen by Pilar Hernandez and Eileen Smith. Hi, Johnny. Hey, Victoria. How are you? I'm good. I'm uh, I'm drinking this pomegranate tea. I'm taking one for the team. <laughs> Johnny, this, is the, this is the tea you don't like, right? Johnny bought this pomegranate tea. I mean, it was a nice gesture, but I just don't like pomegranate tea. I'm kind of I'm kind of picky about my um, my fruit teas. Not me. I'll drink any of that shit. <laughs> so liver tea. Oh, you're gross. Um, Ground beef tea. Okay. I'll drink it all. <laughs> I think someone put a quarter in him today. Yep. <laughs> Welcome to uh, Tasty Pages, a podcast from Cooking the Books. We'll get a few things out of the way here. If you go to our store tab at our website, wecookbooks.com, you'll see an Amazon.com affiliate page with links to a couple different things. Kitchen essentials for home cooks. I just added those... Uh, spatulas we got oh, to the list so if you guys are so happy you guys are in the market for like the cadillac of spatulas you got to check out these things they're like rubbermaid like a uh, professional grade heat resistant uh they're not going to fall apart in the dishwasher or melt i don't or... know whatever happened to the one that came in my um knife kit from culinary I, school? Yeah, I think someone s- stole it. Like I, I don't blame them. Those I things are awesome. <laughs> and I was so happy. All of a sudden, uh, I walked to the dining room table, and there's this pile of spatulas laying yep. on the table. And I was like, yay! We, we've been enjoying them. They're <laughs> now on that list. So if you're looking for uh, an upgrade to your spatula game, and who isn't? pick those up uh we also have a cookbook list there that features some of the best of the cookbooks that we've featured on the cooking and books instagram and uh best of all if you make a purchase there it's a way that you can support what we're doing here without costing you anything more so uh thank you for that thank you for everyone that's been doing that um this is definitely a labor of love for us at this point Mm -hmm. and every little bit helps so it's it's nice that we get a little a little bit thrown our way, courtesy of Amazon, from the purchases that you make. Um, you want to talk about what we're doing next? Yes, I do. All right. Um, next, we are we are going to... When are we going to start on that? Tuesday? Yeah. Uh, on Tuesday, we're going to start Istanbul and Beyond by Robin Eckhart. And I think we had mentioned that in the last episode, mm-hmm. but we had a bit of a weather delay here in Chicago and weren't really able to go anywhere last week due to all the snow, which is... <laughs> Fastly melting now. I know. It's been in the 40s here. It's gorgeous. Yes. Um, and then also, and this, I've fully given it over to Johnny <laughs> <laughs> because it makes me so uncomfortable and that's lame of me. But um, Johnny will be working on Flour, Water, Salt, Yeast by Ken Forkish. Yeah. Um, and we, No, go ahead. And yesterday uh, we baked he baked two loaves of wheat bread and they turned out beautifully i had an assist from you um (laughs) reluctantly that's that's a that's a topic for another podcast Um, we got into a fight (laughs) (laughs) it was more like a quarrel but i apologize yes you did so it was nice of you um 
but uh, yeah, so we, we received this book a while back. It's something I've kind of been wanting to do, and um, we're going to lean into it and, and get it done. But it's you know it's a baking bread baking book, so it's going to be spread out over the course of several weeks. I'm not going to go nuts and like have a little home bakery operation going and be like <laughs> baking loaves of bread every week or every every day. So look for that in the future. And then uh, most importantly, what is for dinner tonight? We are having leftovers. Yes. Uh, we have this beautiful um, short rib ragu, um, and we were going to have it with some pasta, but we don't have any pasta that is really formidable enough yes. for it. So we're just going to do some polenta. Our, our pasta inventory is a little low. Yeah. We, right gotta, now we I have to correct that. We have some uh, lasagna noodles and some angel hair. And I just don't think the angel hair is. It's not robust it's not, enough. No, it, no, it is not. Not husky enough. <laughs> husky. I feel like husky is a polite way of saying that someone's chubby. Yeah. <laughs> well, back like back uh, in the Sears catalog days for kids, instead of like calling like like for the toddler kids, I think they went up to like size six, and there was always like a husky size, like. Instead of like, like it would be like six X or it'd be like six Husky. It was like pre big and tall. Yeah. If, if that is, is what they would use today. So, but it was for kids. So I guess yeah. it's not big and tall. <laughs> <laughs> Short and stout. There I don't you know. <laughs> All right. And then uh, before we dive into today's show topic, I wanted to just uh, briefly mention and kind of follow up on our previous show topic, which uh, was best food films. And we got so many submissions from listeners and there was a lot of things that we had not yet seen. No. And so we kind of spent the week just checking out some of these food movies that we hadn't uh, yet seen and revisiting a couple favorites. And uh, so thanks for all those suggestions, because that was really fun. And we, we got to check out, uh, you want to talk about what we checked out? <laughs> there, were, there, were some, there were some real winners in there. Uh, La Grande Bouffe. Oh, that, that was, was a wild ride. <laughs> it had everything. It had sex workers, lots of quails. Uh, a geriatric chauffeur with a dog. <laughs> This woman that was given hand jobs she, she everyone was a, she was in a teacher. the dinner party. She slept with all four of the men there. It was it was it was it, it was a wacky French film. Twenty and pounds ex- of potatoes. Yep, <laughs> I would expect nothing less from those wacky French. Um, check it out though. It's it's definitely a food movie. It so was. Yeah. It so was. Um, we also saw Spirited Away. Not a food movie. It wasn't. And but also I think I think when I when uh we were talking about it earlier, I was like, I don't we don't really watch any of the Pixar blah blah blah. I mean I re I I just wanted to correct myself. I realized that this wasn't a Pixar movie. Yeah. But very obviously. So, Animated. Yeah. Um good movie. But just, it wasn't a food movie. No, not a food movie. That was a bit of a stretch. To me. Yes. Uh Babette's Feast. Definitely yes. a food movie and a surprisingly good one. It, it didn't really take off to be a food movie. It was until a slow burn. It was. I mean, the first food scene was when they were um, making the uh, beer brut, the the beer bread soup. Yeah. Um, I love that she's that the woman is telling this fantastic chef how to make yes. this basic ass soup that. 
Yeah. The that, was, that, was like, okay. a, that was a great movie. I really enjoyed that. Uh, we rewatched Chef, mm-hmm. which, I, you know, let's be honest, that's, that's kind of what two cooking movies like Rocky would be to boxing yes. or like Caddyshack is to golf or something like it. That is so well done. Um, and you can tell that they actually had consultation from actual chefs and mm-hmm. and it's just all the scenes were just set up so wonderfully so i really enjoyed watching that again and then uh we watched burnt bradley cooper you liked it more than i did yeah you... who's the other guy in there from the americans it matthew doesn't. reese there we go there we go um he, i i enjoyed the so acting good. i i didn't think it was a very believable no. scenario <laughs> but it's a more recent Food and cooking. Yes. I mean, it's definitely a food movie without question. I totally agree with you about the, um, the acting was amazing. And uh, yeah, so check that out if you if you are interested. We watch Ramen Girl. That was kind of mm. <laughs> oh, but Brittany Murphy. Yeah, I, I didn't have high expectations, and no. it didn't disappoint. No, so <laughs> there you go. <laughs> so well, thank you again to everyone for uh, the, for the recommendations. That was a fun one. It kept us busy. Um, and then uh, for today's topic, we have got most annoying kitchen habits. And this can be for yourself or for others. Um, and take it for what it is in the spirit of fun. We're not trying to be like mean spirited here no, or anything like that. So, uh, but we got a lot of uh, feedback from both Instagram and Facebook. So thank you for that. And maybe we'll start with those submissions first before we talk about our own. Um, you want to start? Yep. Um, okay. Chopsticks meat meat fork um, says not cleaning as you go. Um, oh, I can't agree more. Yeah. I, I think I think working in a messy kitchen is just really anxiety inducing. Well, and I just feel like if you don't clean as you go, then you just have this big wreckage to clean up afterwards and that's not fun like you just enjoyed this great meal absolutely you're really satisfied and then you gotta go do chores and go to work i agree um and especially when you're cooking with others like we do that's just not very respectful to you know just leave a big whirlwind in your in your wake yes you know so uh sugar tree baking said uh finger licking i'm I think it kind of depends on the situation. If I'm cooking for strangers or people I don't know very well, obviously He's I'm tasting. Yeah. Spoons. But if it's just you and I, it doesn't bother me one bit. No, I'll, I'll use the stirring spoon as like the taste. Yeah. Spoon. Yeah. It's just us. I mean, and I don't think that's uncommon. So, but I do think it's rude if you're cooking for oh, other absolutely. people. Like don't stick your fingers in the food. Yeah. And, but I will say like, if we dine out at restaurants, I try not to think about it, but I also just assume that it probably happens a lot in kitchens and well, you just and have just to just deal with that. The and, sheer amount of hands that are on your food. Yeah. You know. Uh, Maxwell Gregory, 2018, says, people who stare at you while you're cooking and get in your way. I'm probably guilty of that. Because I know there's times when you just kind of take over and want to and wanna cook and and be in your zone and I'll yep. and I'll feel so guilty just like sitting while you're cooking and so I feel like I should be assisting or helping. Well, and especially if I'm just like cooking something off the top of my head and you'll be like, yes. "What can I do?" Yes. And I'm sitting here, my wheels are spinning yes. and then I have to try and answer you and I'm like, "Just go go relax. Go yep. sit down." I'm but getting better at that. You I, are. If if you I, I I know that if you need help, you'll ask. And otherwise, as long as 
you're not annoyed that I'm not helping. I'll just stay out of the way. But then again, <laughs> the shoe can be on the other fit on the other foot because uh, we'll we'll get to we'll get to this later. Okay. <laughs> uh, and then we had some submissions uh, from Facebook. Anita uh, said, "How differently everyone learns to chop if you're not taught professionally." So I guess it's it's. Uh, Everyone well, but, has their own like knife skill yeah. approach, and it pro- and I and I think I understand what she's saying. Like, if you haven't been trained professionally, your skills may vary. Yeah, and then, but yet, a lot of people still have a very strong opinions about how, how others it should be done. Skill- yes. yes. Oh, I that is really annoying. That is really really annoying. And I'll be the first to admit that my knife skills are not like super strong. But- I think you have really good knife skills. Oh well, thank you. See, I don't feel that way, but I've not been professionally trained or anything like that so no i think you're sometimes i'll walk by while you're cutting stuff and i'm like damn i learned it from watching uh ramen girl <laughs> okay Brittany murphy <laughs> great knife skills she has all right and then uh let's see what else do we have melissa g said uh this now this this is as it relates to other people she said meat and veg prep on the same <gasps> cutting board oh uh, definitely a consideration for, well i mean you know, that's Cross contamination, yeah. <laughs> you could well, kill someone. And, and aside from that, just you know, if you've got like a vegan or vegetarian in your in your group, that's just kind of rude. Yes, um, and insensitive. Um, the snazzy spoon rest on the stove that never gets used. <laughs> I think we gave up on those snazzy spoon rests. We just use little like little little saucers, plates, yeah, little drink coffee saucers that we have that, that were unused until we started using them as spoon rests. And here's another one, having an impressive spice collection on display, but the jars are so dusty because they never get used. Yep. But I, And I would add to that, like uh, if people have like this impressive collection of pots and pans or cookware that it just, it just sits on a shelf, like, you know, with, framed portraits around it and knickknacks and it doesn't look like they ever actually touch it to do some cooking. Although I do get it though. Like like a prop kitchen. Some of, you know, I mean, some cookware is really beautiful. No, unless you have your own TV show and it's a part of your, part of your studio. I'm saying no to that. (laughs) Use it or lose it. Well, I'll take it and use it. Right? Damn it. <laughs> Look at this. This, it, it this just, topic is inspiring some uh, some issues. Actually, it just makes me jealous and sad because I want all of it. Mm-hmm. I want the beautiful the beautiful cookware. But um, Melissa also hates people who brush their teeth in the kitchen sink. <laughs> <laughs> I think I do that sometimes. <laughs> so sorry, Melissa. I'll. I'll, I'll if I ever get invited over to your house, I'll be sure to refrain from that habit. <laughs> do you do that? No. Oh. No. Sometimes I do it. Uh-uh. It's a sink. <laughs> I don't know. I just never... No, I don't. I mean, I don't think I would wash like my hands that were covered in like you know, dirt and oil. Like if I was like doing something on the car or something and then like came in and like washed it in the kitchen sink, I'd probably go downstairs in our laundry room sink and make a big mess. But okay. I I feel you, (laughs) Melissa. Ooh, here's, uh, um, and then, and then, uh, Melissa also said she slacks on sharpening her knives once in a while. Guilty. Yes. And I'm, I'm very guilty. And, uh, Using dull knives can be dangerous because yes, you use more force and you can cut yourself. 
I think some people are intimidated by sharp knives. It's actually the other way around. You should be intimidated by dull knives because they're far more dangerous, in my opinion. Um, Amanda Kay, ooh, this one drives me crazy too. And I'll see it happening on TV and I'm like, stop it. Yeah. Um, um, when people use metal spoons in an aggressive scraping motion on nonstick pans. Yep. Oof. Uh, our friend Nancy said, I can't think of one annoying habit because if someone else is cooking, I'm happy. That's That's the the spirit. spirit. Yes. Good for you, Nancy. (laughs) Uh, Chris M said dishwasher chess. I am so guilty of always rearranging the dishwasher. <laughs> and I don't know if you notice it. I probably don't. It, it drives. Nor like, do I care. Oh, my God. <laughs> you do you. <laughs> I'm just like, I don't understand why he's putting these in here. I just have to move this. It's, what it's, am I guilty of doing in the dishwasher that's wrong, in your opinion? Um, it's, I just is it like things not going on top or bottom or more like where they're being placed in there (laughs) wow i i didn't know my dishwasher loading game was lacking i sound like such a freaking shrew man i sound like the biggest joy kill (laughs) i'm I'm glad you you keep it to yourself and you just rearrange it as you see fit helps Um, keep the peace yeah here's one um and this is one that i am super guilty of uh thad um that he said, people snacking on my prep. Yep. <laughs> I can tell sometimes Johnny just wants to smack my hands away. And like, yeah, you stop. Know, I don't think we've ever had this conversation or that I've, and I've told you about this. You know why I think it kind of bothers me? So I, and this is just totally my own shit to deal with and it has nothing to do with you. So okay, this you is don't interesting. Ever I want to hear this. My dad used to do it okay. all the time growing up. And, you know, like what issues I have with my dad could fill like a whole other like podcast series or something. Maybe that's my new ventures. We'll just like do that. But so he used to do that. And then it was, it was just like one of those things where like he never cooked, he never cleaned, he never did anything other than eat the food that was cooked for him. And so then he'd wander into the kitchen and start picking at stuff as it was being prepped. And it, and like, even as a little kid, it just drove me bananas. Well, at our wedding reception, he pulled his ass up to the buffet table before we even got there. Yep. Classy. Boo. All right. Well, that's enough of my family issues. <laughs> Airing my dirty laundry. Yeah. But yeah, so that's, I think that's why sometimes when you come in and like grab a little something zoink and disappear, I'm always like, stop. That kind of thing. Um, one more. Uh, Maggie um, said, my biggest pet peeve in any kitchen is not washing and replacing knives after use. Worse, if they just put it in the sink. Yes. That is dangerous. Yes. Especially if you have a sink full of water. Yeah. So you just submerge it in the water and leave it sitting there. We're pretty good about like immediately cleaning our knives. We don't I, leave yep. them in the sink or anything. I always wash them, dry them off, put them back on the... Metal strip. And for the love of all things holy, don't put them in the dishwasher. Yeah. I I know people who do that. That just seems so weird to me. That's Want to ruin your knives really quick? Make them dull? Throw them in the dishwasher. It's not good. No. All right. Um, Let's move on to our picks. Okay. We kind of discussed some of them already. uh, What's what's one of yours? Um, Wasted trips. Uh, Like when you're doing your prep, going back and forth to the pantry. Agreed. It's like, take your time, grab a sheet tray, figure out what you need. Cause, and, and I'm saying this as annoying because I do it sometimes, and then I'm just like, well, what is wrong with you? Yeah. 
Um, it's just really inefficient. Um, and another one, and this is one that I see on TV all the time that drives me crazy, is using the wrong tools for the wrong job. Oh, I've seen people open up cans with chef's knives. I mean, I realize like on this reality show where maybe you don't have access to the proper equipment, you don't know where it is, you're just under time constraints, you're just, you know, there's like money on the line, so you just do what you got to do. Yeah. But, oh. All right, well, like if, I'll, if I'm watching like one of my Real Housewives of Bullshit shows, which I love, <laughs> I will unabashedly profess my love for them. No shame. Like chopping an entire onion with a paring knife. Yeah. And then <laughs> it, not a culinary school oh, grad. It, it pains me to watch. I'm just like, ooh. Um okay, go ahead. What's what's one of yours? Those who do not cook or do the dishes. Then this is this is a conversation we've had many a time. Uh-huh. Um most of the time we cook together mm-hmm. and then we'll kind of clean up together and straighten up and we clean as we go. So it's never like a big project for one person, but we've cooked for others or been guests at people's house and just kind of witnessed it where all the cooking is done by people. And then those same people end up kind of clearing the plates and doing the dishes and all that stuff. And I just think that's incredibly rude to do as a dinner guest. Um, to not offer at least, at the very least, yes. to, to help out and assist. And if they say no, and if they insist, and you're the guest, you know, great. That's cool. But yeah. but if you just don't take any initiative, and you're just like eating the food and letting someone else do your dishes, I think that's incredibly rude. So don't do it, dummies. Right. <laughs> uh, dull knives. We've talked about that already. That was on my list. Uh, people who don't use a meat thermometer, especially when you're cooking for others. Yeah. And I know that there's experienced chefs that will say, oh, no, you know, I just got the feel for it, blah, blah, blah. I just feel like when you're cooking for others, you're cooking in a restaurant setting, use a meat thermometer. There's no shame Don't be a in, hero. in being safe. Yes. So I, I totally agree with you. Yeah. Um, I what think, else you got? Well, I think messiness is like my, my biggest pet peeve. Yeah. Because it automatically makes my anxiety level go up like three times. Yep. It's I agree. Chaotic. It, yeah. Yeah. Anything else? Um, okay. Well, here's the thing. Um, someone else had said, um, hovering. I think I kind of do that to you sometimes. I side seat cook. Sometimes. And, but I will say, like, sometimes it's helpful because you are a far more experienced cook. You're formally trained. You've worked in restaurants. So oftentimes I will defer to you. Um, but there are other times when I just want, because when I, especially when I'm doing prep and stuff, and I just want to, that's kind of my yoga. And yes. so, like, I'm in the zone, I'm just prepping, I'm listening to music, I might be having a drink, uh, possibly. Um, and I'm just like in my zone. I'm just enjoying the experience. Um, and if you get a little too overzealous where you're like trying to offer input or do stuff for me, I get a little bit uh, unsettled. But, because- some, but in my defense, sometimes this is just, and I'm not making excuses, uh-huh. but this sounds like a goddamn excuse. <laughs> <laughs> I'm not making excuses, but but here's an excuse. There are times like when I want things cut a certain way yeah. for photographs. No, I, I totally and get I that. will absolutely tell you that. Yep. 
But when I'm like, maybe you should do it this way. Yep. Maybe you should do it that way. I'm totally guilty of it. And I know it bothers you. Good so talk. I apologize. <laughs> Cheaper than therapy. And, and, we just do a podcast and, and talk about our, our issues. I don't think you understand how much like I've, I'm, I'm like trying to zip my lip a lot. And the other day <laughs> when, when, what we did were, I do? when we were making, when you were making the bread and I interjected. Oh yeah, the bread loaf. I didn't, I didn't, I didn't zip my lip. You didn't take into account that you had never made this bread either, <laughs> but yet you were the expert on it. <laughs> and I'm the worst at bread making. I just had to get my sixth sense Be into Be careful you. what you wish for. That became your loaf of bread. <laughs> it did. He was like, he's like, you know what? I'm not fucking doing this anymore. This is your project now. <laughs> and he sure did teach me my lesson. Yep. You baked I- a loaf of bread <laughs> that you didn't want to bake. The reluctant baker. That's your new Instagram page. <laughs> Follow me as I bake through loaves of bread that I really have no interest in baking. <laughs> All right. Hey, I, I, I have one more okay. before we move on. Okay. Uh, those who don't taste and season as they cook. Oh, yes. And uh, I think it happens often with like home cooks where they just, you know, they just they are following a recipe, but they're not really like tasting it and adjusting. Mm-mm. And you, you got to do that. Yes. Everyone's got their own preferences. What might be salty to one, maybe under seasoned to another. So. I know that if I didn't do that, all of our, well, I mean, not anymore because I've kind of learned, but I tend to like things saltier. So you have a high salt tolerance. I do. And so if you taste something and say that it's a little too salty, I know that it's probably going to be like, like, it's a bridge too far. Then then I'm like, like, don't salt anymore. All right. Uh, Shall we jump into Chilean Kitchen? Let's do it. All right. So this was a fun book. Um, I don't believe either of us can recall a time when we had like authentic Chilean cuisine, either at home or in a restaurant. So this was an intriguing book for us to discover. Um, And we figured, why not not dive into it? And I think we learned some things along the way. First and foremost is that uh, in addition to all the indigenous elements to uh, Chilean cooking, there are traces of German, French, Spanish, and Italian cuisine, probably from colonization. Colonization. Yeah, we've talked about that before. Um, Interestingly, though, um, geographically, Chile stretches more than 2,600 miles from north to south, but is only 220 miles across at its widest point. So you've got this vast, long country that, you know, covers all these different climates. And yeah, it's a lot of different and, ecosystems. And and then, you know, on top of that, uh, like half of the population lives in the central region. So um, I think that's where the focus of this mm-hmm. book was, even though there are some very specific kind of regional cuisines that would be fun to explore, maybe in another book or something that, that they'll do. But uh, so that was that was kind of our starting point. Um, contrary to popular belief, the food isn't spicy. Yeah, I mean, there's spicy, and then there's spicy. Yeah, like spicy hot. The, the food is spicy, but there's no. It's not like spicy heat. Yes. Anything else to add to the overview of the book? 
think we kind of covered it yeah, all. There's 75 recipes. Um, yeah, we made seven mm-hmm. for the week. Um, you want to talk about some of the, you know, just the highlights and cover that, and then we'll then we'll get into our rankings. Sure. Okay. Um, well, the things that we made, we did a uh, pastel di choclo, which is a ground beef uh, casserole. It's kind of like a, a shepherd's pie, all, yeah. if you will, but it's topped with this um, n- nice crusty corn mash. And we actually just posted this photo, you know, at the time of this recording, we posted this photo on our feed today, and I mm-hmm. saw that someone said that they actually ate this dish um, on their last evening in Santiago. Yes. Which I thought was really cool because it, it does say in the book that, you know, if there was kind of a quote unquote national dish of Chile, uh, this would probably be it. So, yep. And, and there's a, there's a little surprise lurking in there. There's some boiled eggs and, um, olives and, and raisins and raisins. Yeah. So you have like this salty, sweet, yeah, not thing going on. Not flavor combinations I would ever consider if I was just composing something from scratch. That sounds like a like a pantry meal. Like you just feel like oh, I got these raisins, I got these black olives. I always <laughs> probably how it started off too, just more out of necessity. Like you know, this is what someone had on hand at the time, and for some reason, I always together. find it so funny. Like when I see raisins in savory dishes, like, yeah. Like I always feel like there's someone in the family, like an aunt or a grandma or someone who will put raisins in something. Like not a very good cook and <laughs> we'll just jazz this up with some raisins. Egg salad, it's, raisins. It's their go to move. Beef stew, raisins. Yep. You know if you eat at their place or if they bring a, a dish to share. <laughs> it's got some raisins yep. in it. Plan on eating raisins. Oh, and there was one thing that we didn't talk about about this dish. Mm-hmm. Um there was a bit of confusion with the uh, kind of the method. Yes. Um, because what it, what the recipe told you to do is just take your block of um, just take your block of meat and keep it in a block, brown it, and then you add your broth and you let it simmer for about eight minutes, and then you put your onion in and then you break it all up. Yeah. So, I mean, I, I think our, our normal inclination would be to brown the ground beef Mm -hmm. like you normally would. And then also do the same with the onions. Sweat the onions a little bit. Um, this instructed you to do neither. So it was, it was a real, it was in the first step of the process It you know, it specifically says, don't break up the ground beef, like just, you know, sear it on one side, flip it over, sear it on the other side, then pour your broth in. But then it instructs you later on to, you know, add your onion, mix everything together. So it seems like it would kind of defeat the purpose of leaving that block of ground beef intact. Well, and plus I feel like that's a missed opportunity to get extra flavor yeah. in browning the meat. But yeah. You know. So yeah, we weren't quite sure if we had did this one as it was supposed to be, but it was great. Yeah, it, it, you know, it tasted really nice. We had leftovers the following day, and they Which were just were as even good. better. Yeah, yeah. It, when it has time to sit there and like marinate it in its own spices. And you know, apparently, if there is something that would be considered a national dish of Chile, it was this. So it was, it was, it was a good one to make. Um, we also did a creamy chickpea soup. Pretty, pretty standard. Really tasty. We yeah, threw some chorizo in there, was, which was an optional suggestion in the recipe. Had a nice little porky flavor. Yeah, 
<laughs> that sounds obscene. Ain't nothing wrong with that. <laughs> uh, we did a second soup, which was... Uh, oh, yeah, the pantrucus. Um, this one called for turkey. Um, not fans. Yeah. Um, ground turkey. We had uh, Italian sausage on hand, so we used that instead. Um, and the dumplings, one thing to know if you make... Uh, this dish, and it, it, it's even addressed in the book, is um, if you if you have leftovers to separate the dumplings because they will get mushy. Yes. And the, the dumplings um, are uh, interesting because they, you know they're just like these kind of flat little noodle type things. Yeah, it's almost as if you took some like wide noodles and then like cut them into squares. Yeah. And then didn't they kind of puff up a little bit as they cook? Eh, not really. Not really. I mean, okay. there's no leavening in them. Yeah. Um want to talk spicy pork ribs? Always. <laughs> <laughs> and by spicy, we mean like spicy, spicy, not spicy hot. These were not Yes. They were not picante. Uh, oven roasted, low and slow. I think we went about three-ish hours mm-hmm. in there. Not the normal method we use for ribs. Usually if we do have ribs, we're smoking them. Um, but nothing, no complaints with this. They were nicely spiced. They yeah. tasted great. Um, the cooking time was fairly accurate. Accurate, You know, and our, sto- our stove, or the cooking times, we need to get our stove recalibrated. Yeah. Because we always have to uh, add on to the cooking times. A lot of the time. You got to know your stove. Yes. <laughs> Let's talk uh, cocktails. Oh, Pisco Sour. Yeah. So if you follow us, you know that, you know, generally if a book has a cocktail recipe within the pages, we'll, we'll, we're game for trying it, being, being the lushes that we are. And uh, Pisco being kind of the national spirit of uh, Chile. Yep. It's a distilled grape brandy. Packs a, packs a bit of a punch. Also made in Peru. And there's some hot, spirited debate amongst uh, Peruvians and Chileans about who makes the better pisco. Ooh, showdown! Right? <laughs> can I be the Can I be the judge? No, because you're neither <laughs> Peruvian or Chilean. <laughs> you don't get a say. Okay, you just get to drink. Okay. Uh, but yeah, pisco sour. Not the first time we've had it. Nope. Um, and just fair warning: this has a raw egg white, so if that squeaks you out, might not be a drink for you. But the the when you um, shake it up, the egg white gets all nice and foamy, and it's it's just a lovely little touch. And I mean, you don't really realize that it's raw egg white. If someone if someone served me that drink, yeah, and I didn't know why there was this foamy thing, or you know what the ingredients were, I never would be like, oh, hey, that's egg white. It's a great cocktail to kind of ease into the evening mm-hmm. you know which is kind of how we did it it was like our first cocktail of the evening and it was it was perfect really good and then this next one was was kind of interesting um i'm not going to try and pronounce the name I'll, I'll butcher but it's basically a sweetened dried peach punch with barley and it's described in the book as a kind of a cross between a drink and a snack drinkable snack i don't know if i like drinking my snacks would you say Texturally, it could be loosely compared to like a bubble tea in some ways. Well, yeah. I mean, there's that chewy factor. The barley yeah. tends to get really chewy. And and here's the thing. That was my problem with this drink. It, it did lend – it leaned a little bit too sweet for me. 
but the texture was a huge problem. But here's the thing. I used to hate boba tea. Yeah. Like, I thought the the chewy tapioca was just abhorrent. And now, I don't know. Yeah. I, I love it. Yeah. So maybe it's one of those things where I'd be like, okay, I could get used to this. Well, and apparently this is uh, a pretty popular drink in the summertime. Mm-hmm. And so I was trying to kind of put myself in that frame of mind, which is hard to do when there's like four goddamn feet of snow on the ground outside. <laughs> but if, if it was summer, you're out and about, you pass by some cafe and they happen to be serving these. I could see how this would be like this nice, refreshing drink. And the fact that there are, you know, there's like dried fruit in there and and this barley, it, it does kind of function as a, a, a snack, snack yeah. in, to some degree. So like I, I, I can- I, I get could, it. Yeah. I could see how that would be very appealing. Yeah. It's just not for me, though. Yeah. And then lastly, uh, we made this what was called like a sweet Christmas bread. It was like a fruitcake. Yes. And it was perfect because it was like the beginning of December. Mm-hmm. We were easing into Christmas and this bread came along. I I made a little substitution. This um, And, you know, I think, I think um, like fruitcake Christmas bread. We'll call it a fruitcake. Yeah. That's basically what it is. Yeah. Um, it gets a bad rap. And I've had I've had some delicious fruitcakes. Yeah. One of the things that I think bad fruitcakes have is really bad candied fruit. Yes. Um, Which proved to be kind of tough to find for this recipe. I was, we were not expecting that. I was shocked. I was like, you know, it should be all over the store shelves in the baking aisle at this time of year. And it wasn't. Yeah. Um, so what I did was I bought some of the, well, I mean, we raided our pantry. We had like dried apricots. We had some golden raisins. We had a bunch of nuts, but then I also went to Trader Joe. We went to Trader Joe's and I was like, So you're putting oh. raisins in here. You're channeling your, your inner, <laughs> your inner auntie. <laughs> That's not the point of my story. Okay. So you're at Trader Joe's. <laughs> so I took some of that fruit. You, you got some of those, uh, fruit leather things. You got some of those coffee those uh, chocolate coffee beans. Oh, I love those. And then, but those did not go in no, there. No, they did not. Those went into those my mouth. Those were just for snacking while we made this. <laughs> those went into my mouth and stuck in my teeth. Yep. Um, but I got some fruit leather, like the mango one, strawberry, raspberry, mm-hmm. cut it up. It worked brilliantly. Yeah. Good save. Yes. Thank you. Well, and there, there was like all the classic, you know, fall holiday spices like cinnamon, nutmeg, cloves. Um, this froze really well. Yes, it did. So we made some and then portioned it out, and then we were kind of snacking on this all throughout December. It was it was mm-hmm. tasty, tasty it was, creation. It was a gift that kept on giving. Yes, <laughs> uh, there was a recipe called for rum, correct? Yes, but we, we used bourbon. Yeah, and twice the amount <laughs> per usual. <laughs> because of course. <laughs> and I actually love that flavor. Like it, you could taste it; it was there, but it wasn't by any means boozy. Uh-huh. It was it was a good amount. So there we go. Uh, so before we jump into our own rankings, per usual, we're going to jump on Amazon and find the uh, critical reviews of the book, of which there were not many. That's um, good. Yeah, it was a great book. Um, but I did find a couple. There's always those people. Uh-huh. And uh, the, the first one being um, Paz V gave it one out of five stars. And they said, it's not worth it. The recipe for bread with avocado, a mockery. They were very offended by the bread with avocado. And you looked that recipe up, right? It was an avocado toast. Oh. I don't. Which I was unaware is like something that was consumed in Chile. Yeah. yeah. On, well, on the and, and, and the recipe is super simple. It's just, it's like 
Don't fuck around with the avocado you're going to put on the toast. Mash it up, salt, pepper. That's it. That's all you need. <laughs> Somehow that managed to offend them. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> They're very offended. Know, a mockery. Like a mockery. Oh. Wow. And then uh, there was one other. Go ahead. Myron D. Riddle gave it three out of five stars. And I'm reading this verbatim. Okay. So um, it's not worth it. Oh, wait. No. That was me. <laughs> the mockery. <laughs> <laughs> um, very short and missing on favorites, soup and sandwich recipes. I was both disappointed and dissatisfied. All right. Disappointed and dissatisfied. Yes. Whoa. I mean. Double dis. Okay. I get there aren't a lot of sandwich recipes in here. We made um, two soups for crying out loud. Yeah. There are, there are a goodly amount of soups in this, yeah. you know, I mean, but this isn't a soup and sandwich It wasn't book. Chilean soup kitchen. <laughs> Chilean Kitchen. It's the title of the book, you dummy. Myron. All right. Uh, should we move on to our rankings? Let's do it. Let's start with food photography and styling. What'd you give it? Uh, I gave it a four. Um, to me, it felt like it was an equal mix of like over the head, the old 45 degree, some macro shots. Um, it was like... The the photographer didn't have a you know how some books the photographer will have an aesthetic and stick to it absolutely and this was kind of across the board which I can appreciate yeah almost as if 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 you weren't aware you'd think it was like several photographers mm-hmm. that had worked on the book because there there really wasn't one particular kind of style um some of them were like dark and moody and then other ones were like really well lit. The photo um, for the Pisco Sour was lovely. It was yeah. just bright and beautiful. Minimal props. Uh-huh. I mean, if there was anything, they might have had like a fork or a spoon in the shot, but yes. there wasn't a lot of linens or no. anything fussy like that. And, and like you said, most of the shots were like more on the close-up side. Um, I gave it a four as well. Okay. Um, let's move on to just design and layout. What'd you give it? Four. Okay. Uh, simple, easy to follow. Chapters are divided cleverly into seasons, which I appreciated, so that uh, depending on what you have available to you at any given time, you can kind of focus your attention on those uh, recipes. Um, I appreciated that the recipe titles included both the Chilean name as well as the English translation. Mm-hmm. Um I love knowing what the name of the dish is, even if I do try and butcher it pronouncing it. But um, the English translation helped to make it a little bit more you know, accessible to a non-Spanish speaking dummy like myself. But then again, you know what? Sometimes I, sometimes I really do love when it doesn't have the translation because yeah. then you actually have to like sit there and fully look at the recipe and figure out what's in it. Take that leap Does of faith. Does that sound good? Yep. Rather than just being like, oh, it's a chicken with rice and spices. Yeah. You know. Um, the only other thing I would add is that the, the introductory pages I thought were really informative because I learned a lot about the history mm-hmm. and characteristics of, uh, Chile as a country, as well as the population yes. and the cuisine. So really appreciated that. Uh, what'd you have for it? I gave it a 3.5 and okay. basically everything you said is what I had written down. All right. <laughs> so. This meeting is adjourned. <laughs> All right. Uh, degree of difficulty. I gave it a two. Okay. There, there, I would feel confident giving this book to a novice cook, and mm-hmm. I would feel fairly confident that they could make any dish in here. Uh, some of the baking stuff might be a little bit harder, but 
Yeah, that was in my notes. Is. Is, I know there was that, uh, it was like a crepe layer cake uh-huh. that had chocolate on it. Chocolate that and raspberry, That looked a little bit involved. Yes. You had mentioned like a roll cake. Yeah, there was a, like you make it in a jelly roll pan and then it's got like a cream filling. And yeah. Those always just give me like, it makes me horrible ner- horribly nervous just to see those because I just, <laughs> I just imagine trying to roll it and it's cracking. Some bad cracking. trauma from your past or something. <laughs> yes. Like trying to make one of those. <laughs> when you can't get the jelly roll to roll. No, just, No. Uh, and I gave it a two okay. as well. Um, same thing. Like I, I thought any beginner cook would have no trouble navigating most of the recipes. The baking ones might prove a little bit challenging, but even those, um, I didn't think there was anything like super involved. Yeah. Um, and then lastly, and most importantly, taste. I gave it a four. All right. Um, I thought the flavors were very clear. There was nothing like... There wasn't a dish that we ate where I was like, eh, this is kind of muddled tasting. Like all the... Fl- all the spices and flavors were very clear and concise. Yeah. And, um, yeah. And I, I, yeah, I gave it a four. I yeah. liked it. I, we're on the same page. I gave it a four as well. Um, I enjoyed everything we made. We did adjust the kind of spice and heat level a little bit just to suit our personal preferences, but that's no flaw of the book. And, and, you know, the thing is, I think Chilean cuisine is not really discussed a lot in the mainstream at no. least i you know and I, I not as much as some other um international cuisines if you will yeah and i i felt like this was a great book to kind of introduce you to it and everything was accessible and you know and and seemed you know to my uninformed opinion like pretty traditional uh-huh. and and so it's a great way to kind of take a culinary tour of of this country if if that's something you're interested in that's the thing that i'm really thankful about like doing this project is we've explored uh cuisines that you know that i don't know is there a burmese restaurant around here is there a chilean restaurant i'm yeah. sure there is yeah. well now we're not going to restaurants at all but yeah um but yeah it's and what learning the see? history of it yeah. and i mean most of the a lot of the uh, a lot of the food history comes from colonization yeah sadly but Along with that is you get that like polonization and and just like how different cultures influence the other and yes um I find that really fascinating. It is super and, fascinating to see because, like, when you're like um, with the Istanbul and Beyond book, you know, like some of the some of the dish titles sound vaguely Indian, like yeah, you know, uh, you know like tandoor, yeah, tandoor, you know, yeah. But if, like, I, I fucking love that we're doing this. Yeah. I agree. So, okay. Anyway, if you enjoy this ep- this episode, please rate and review it. Um, you can find us on the web at wecookbooks.com as well as our Instagram at we underscore cook underscore books. And our Facebook is at wecookbooks. And thank you to Danny Schaefer for the production assistance. All right. Thanks, Danny. All right. I got a joke for you. Okay. All right. I, full disclosure, Victoria's heard this before. Usually I just spring the joke on you and it's just first time hearing it, but we had some technical difficulties. So just pretend you've not heard this joke okay. before. All right. Why do you never see an angry yam? Um, I don't know. Um, 
it's not in their nature. They're such sweet potatoes. <laughs> That's a good so, one for my nieces. It's so cute. Yeah. That's very cute. I'm going to share that with them. All right. Uh, that's uh, that's all we got for you people. All right, everyone. Have a great week. Be safe. Wear a mask. Thanks for listening. Bye.